The truth behind Mormonism's misused scriptures next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Our topic this time deals with arguments that are, is made by both polygamists and the LDS to justify their belief that ecclesiastical authority has been given exclusively to them from God. And of course, this includes authority for modern prophets and the priesthood yeah. and the need for the Book of Mormon and their claims that they are modern day Zion. Mormonism's Articles of Faith contain some of their creed, which points out that the Bible is not translated correctly, but that the Book of Mormon is God's Word. Yet many of the arguments that they use to justify having God's exclusive authority are passages from the Bible. <laughs> and so we ask, why do they use the Bible without hesitation when it suits them, but deny its trustworthiness when it disagrees with their creed? Now, there are several Bible passages they quote to undergird particular doctrine. Both polygamists and the LDS Church do this. We're going to begin with a selling point they use as evidence that they are God's only true religion with modern-day living prophets. Their answer is comes from the Bible, yes. book of Amos. Amos and chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto the servants, the prophets. Now, you were just saying earlier yes, that, that, that you use that all the time. Missions, yes. And quoting this justify verse. Well, God loves us, or God loves them, and send them prophets, and so he loves us, and he would send us prophets. And you're, and you're it, yeah. Oh. So, and, or the LDS church prophets are it. <laughs> right. And so they use this as proof that God continues to reveal his purposes in today's world and he needs human prophets to do it. One of the rules and important guidelines for uh, correctly using the word of God is context. <laughs> and if you disregard biblical context when establishing a doctrine, you'll end up with heresy. The context of Amos, especially chapter 3, is God's judgment against Israel. And the prophets in the time setting of Amos were rewarding the people to repent and turn to God, but they refused to pay attention. How can this possibly apply to, to evidence that Mormon church is true by having modern-day Mormon prophets? Besides that, Jesus himself said that the prophets were until John the Baptist and that he was the end of the prophets. So Jesus said that. Why doesn't the church that adopted his name believe what he taught? Mormonism claims that only the LDS prophets have God's authority and they teach that it was passed on to Joseph Smith by Peter, James, and John. And you can read that in Doctrine and Covenants section 27. Now, we know that isn't true because we've tested it with the Bible and the same Bible that they use, by the way, to validate their religion. Peter, James, and John are dead. And the Bible says the dead don't return until Jesus comes back and the resurrection takes place. And this is what the Bible says about the resurrection. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 21 through 23. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Now, notice the wording here. It's very carefully. Yes. Notice verse 23. Jesus was resurrected first. Then, when he comes back, when he comes, and he hasn't come back yet, right. that's a future date. 
those who belong to him will reject will be resurrected then and not before so we know the dead don't return and we know Peter, James, and John have not been resurrected because Jesus hasn't come back, so they couldn't have returned. And we also know that God doesn't lie. <laughs> Sadly, Mormons and polygamists do not put their prophet leaders to the test. We have the witness of the Bible from which to test false prophets, and it's the only way to avoid being led astray by the wolves prowling among the sheep. There are no more prophets. There are no modern-day living prophets bringing progressive revelation. Now remember, LDS and polygamists quote the Bible when they want to justify a favorite doctrine, but they reject the Bible when we want to put their claims to the test. We have a couple of quotes worth looking at. Yeah, this is from the Latter-day Saint Woman, Part B, page 6. We can learn about Jesus by listening to the words of the living prophets. The Lord has told us to give heed to the words and commandments of his prophets and to receive those words as if they are from the Lord himself. See the Doctrine and Covenants 21, 4, and 5. The president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the mouthpiece of God on the earth. Through his sermons and printed messages, he reveals God's direction for us today. And from the Missionary Preparation Student Manual, we read, We have faith in God's chosen prophets and follow their counsel and teaching. So you can see that, that their faith is in their prophets yes. and in what their prophets say. Did you notice that that first quote where they said that they, that they can learn about Jesus by listening to the words of the living prophet? <laughs> that is not how we learn about Jesus. The words of their living prophets teach that Jesus and Satan are brothers. They teach that Jesus is God's literal son resulting from having sex with Mary, his own daughter. If you listen to the LDS or polygamy group living prophets, you will not learn the truth about God or Jesus. No one who grows up under the teaching of either the Mormon church or any of the polygamy groups will learn the truth about God, about Jesus, about his true plan of redemption and forgiveness. The living prophets of Mormonism have failed to do the job the biblical prophets were required to do. In Old Testament times, God did reveal certain of his plans to certain people. Noah to build the ark, which purpose yeah, was salvation. Sure. And, and I've heard this, people use Noah as an yeah, example. For sure. Abraham, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the purpose was to save uh, Lot's nephew and his family from God's yeah, judgment. And the same is true with other Old Testament prophets like Amos and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel, Ezekiel, and so on. But Mormonism's prophets do not even come close to getting the job done that biblical prophets did or give out the true message of God that biblical prophets did. And besides that, any argument will never change the fact that the Bible tells us that the prophets ended with John the Baptist. And Jesus became and is and remains the only living prophet for mankind. <clears throat> now, question. Why does Mormonism reject Jesus as the only prophet? Isn't he qualified? Uh, isn't he the very best? Isn't he the truth? Isn't he alive? Why can't they accept him as their prophet? A true prophet of God will never prophesy something or anything that doesn't take place. And Mormonism has a long line of failed prophecies from failed prophets. 
Warren Jeffs, who is now in prison but continues to be revered as a persecuted prophet by many in the FLDS, prophesied the destruction of the world several times and gave dates (laughs) for that destruction. Nothing happened. Why is he still considered a prophet? Joseph Smith did the same thing, and we ask the same question. Mm -hmm. And the same can be said of almost every leader of almost every polygamy group in the LDS Church. Too many failed prophecies, but they are still revered as God's prophets. There are no modern-day prophets holding God's authority over humans. That is Jesus' job exclusively. Now, they can use Amos 3-7 until doomsday, but they can never make it apply to the Mormon church. The next wrongly used scriptures is supposed to authenticate the false idea of a total apostasy that Joseph Smith claimed is also in Amos in, Amos, yeah. in chapter 8. It's the famine of the word of God. Yeah, verses 11 through 12. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of God, but they shall not find it. Did you use that scripture oh, when you... Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely a, an apostasy scripture. Yeah, apostasy yeah. scripture. Yeah. And, and they, they teach that uh, the, the, the restoration was needed. Joseph Smith's oh, restoration absolutely. was needed yeah. and use this verse as evidence. Because they said the whole word of God was suffering in apostasy, yeah. that there was the lack of the word of God. Now, I learned this growing up in the polygamy group, sure. too. So it's, it's all in all of Mormonism. And the, the, the LDS church, well, since Earl can remember, so that's been a long time, they still use it. Yeah. Well, we have another quote about it. Yeah, from the Gospel Principles from 2009, page 95. After the Savior ascended into heaven, men changed the ordinances and doctrines that he and his apostles had established. Because of apostasy, there was no direct revelation from God. The true church was no longer on the earth. Men organized different churches that claimed to be true, but taught conflicting doctrines. There was much confusion and contention over religion. The Lord had foreseen these conditions of apostasy, saying that there would be a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord, and they that, I'm sorry, they shall seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. But actually, the opposite is true. Those who believe in Mormonism and read the Book of Mormon and reject the Bible are among those who experience a famine in the Word of God. That is such a good point. <laughs> As with most of the Old Testament prophet, Amos's job was to warn the nation of Israel of impending doom and associated with their apostasy. Um, Israel would be invaded, and as Isaiah and Jeremiah also prophesied and affirmed the same prophecy, they would be held in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. The prophecy was fulfilled, first by the Assyrians who conquered Israel and later with the Babylonian captivity. Has nothing to do with either the Book of Mormon or Joseph Smith to restore a lost gospel or an alleged corrupted Bible. If the members of Mormonism's many groups would just study the context of the passages they use and check out biblical history, they would detect the misuse of these passages and be able to spot the wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. But again, Mormonism's creed claims the Bible isn't trustworthy, so how dare they use it to authenticate their religion? 
The next grossly misused Bible passage is from Malachi about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and is applied so badly and out of context in order to give biblical reason for baptism for the dead. Baptism for the dead. <laughs> so Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So, again, when you were in the church, did they use that verse as authenticated that all the time. they did? You're, you're hitting all the biggies here. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, this good. Is, uh, yeah, and of course, they believe that Elijah came to Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple and gave him the keys to... Yeah. Uh, for this call of the, 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 the same argument with, with Elijah goes with Peter, James, and John, you know. That, yeah, that, no death. I yeah. mean, no, no one's resurrected. No one's resurrected yet. Um, yeah. None of these people ever are resurrected until Jesus comes back. Now, as was the case in much of Old Testament history of Israel, the nation strayed from God. They went into idolatry fashioned and worshipped false gods. They ignored and forgot or integrated the one and only true God into all kinds of false religious systems. You can read that all through the book of Chronicles and Kings and yeah. different places in the Old Testament. But this is true of humanity today. It, 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 the context of Malachi is to encourage the backsliders in Israel to return to the faith of their fathers, which is their historical belief and faith in one true God. God Almighty. And Joseph Smith comes along and introduces a lot of <laughs> many, <stuff>. many gods. <laughs> right. Now, at the time of Malachi, the heart's desire and the, and the bond of common love and knowledge of God had decreased, like we mentioned. But God desires their return to the one true faith and one true God. And he sent a prophet to explain that to the people. That's the context. And that is what biblical historians agree is the setting of this passage. But Mormonism comes along and erroneously applies this passage to construct a doctrine of doing salvation work for dead people, something God himself has prohibited and condemned. And this is what Joseph Fielding Smith preached. One of the presidents of the church. Right. This is taken from the, his book, The Restoration of All Things. And we give credit to, in their own words, Bill mm. McKeever. We couldn't live without him. Yeah. And that resource, a great one. Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery declared that the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers was in relation to the vicarious work which the living children are privileged to perform for the salvation of their dead fathers who died without the opportunity of accepting Jesus Christ. So there we have the scripture, or the, one of the quotes of the Mormon leaders yeah. saying that this is what uh, that means in their religion. Now, Mormonism doesn't even believe in their own Book of Mormon, you know, <laughs> which says that if you die unrepentant, the devil seals you to himself mm -hmm. and you remain in that condition forever, right? Yeah. That's what it teaches. Uh -huh. Now, uh, polygamists, there's many polygamy groups who also baptize for the dead. It's not just the LDS right, church. The LDS. Mormonism does that. The group I came from doesn't, but other groups do. What's interesting, and I just thought of it, sorry, uh, I've never thought of this, but they could be baptizing very good Christian people, <laughs> you know that? Yeah, that don't need it. <laughs> that don't need it because they already have their faith in Jesus. Right. So they're baptizing these people that 
That's funny. And, and, and one, another thing, too, that just came to my mind, which is a good point, is is they baptized this many times over. I mean, like Adolf Hitler's been baptized oh. six or eight times. Well, yeah. did he not receive Mormonism the first time he was baptized for the dead or the second? Or, and how would, yeah, how would they know? And if he this? did the first time, why would they rebaptize him that many other times? It comes from different family members, yeah. different relatives that... Okay, well, I'm I'm a second second cousin to somebody, and I'm a someone else is a first cousin three times removed or whatever, and then they submit. This person submits, and so the names are come up several different times. Comes up different ways. Right, uh, right. But so it's dead work. Usually, you should be the, checking to make sure the work has been done. Right. But they don't right. always. Well, the Bible, the Book of Mormon is clear, and as the Bible is also clear, that there's no second chance after death. There's no teaching of baptism for the dead in the Bible or the Book of Mormon. The Bible mentions people who did it, but it never says it's something that's supposed to be done. <laughs> in fact, Jesus himself, who alone is the Savior, placed no emphasis on the work for the dead. He said this. Matthew 8:22. But Jesus said to him, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. <laughs> Whoa, there you go. Living humans are to follow the living Savior. They are not to be concerned about those who have died. It's too late to change anything about them or their eternity. The verses in Malachi do not support a doctrine of baptism for dead people. Now, the next one, like the others, is used by both polygamists and the LDS to exalt their religion and their religious works. They use John 14, 12 as evidence that their people or their religion are doing great things for God. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now, I know polygamy groups use this, saying yeah. that they're doing all these great works. Even more so than Jesus. Even more than Jesus. And, and because those who quote, I don't, did the LDS Church use this? I've heard some Mormons recently talk about it, but I didn't know if they did historically. Well, they certainly believe in works. So. Right, but do they believe that they are doing greater works than Jesus did? I never did, so I don't know if everybody did. They, you don't I, know if they were taught, that they actually taught that very yeah, strongly. I didn't, I didn't sense that myself, but yeah. maybe others did. I don't know. I've, I've recently heard a few LDS people say that and use mm. that verse, but I haven't heard it as a general, yeah. a general one. But they quote the verses, but they don't study the Bible, or, or of course they themselves don't trust in God to be consistent or non-contradictory. They conjure up unrelated and non-contextual meanings for what's written. Now, they believe, this includes the fundamentalists, that they are the fulfillment of doing greater things. Mm. Now, Jesus said that. So they're accepting at least that what Jesus yeah, said. Yeah. But the first question that we ask um, polygamous or LDS is, how can having multiple <laughs> sex partners, yeah. fathering so many children you can't provide for them, forming a religious commune that oppresses people into bondage and poverty, how can that be considered greater things? Yeah, they boast that that's what they're doing. Yeah. And worse, how can they be considered greater things than what Jesus did, for heaven's sakes? Multiple mm -hmm. sex partners is greater than what Jesus did? Well, they can't, first of all. We want you to recognize the great things that Jesus did and then ask, can polygamists perform greater miracles than these? Yes, and here's a quick list of things that Jesus did. He calmed the storm. He raised the dead. 
gave sight to the blind, restored limbs, healed sickness and disease, cast out demons, turned water into wine, walked on water, gave the command for Peter to walk on water, read people's minds, created food to feed tens of thousands of people, caused over 600 men to fall to the ground by the word of his mouth, controlled sea life, destroyed a fig tree from the roots up, transfigured in glory, and resurrected himself from the dead. Okay. Not so, a bad list. Not a bad <laughs> list at all, is it? No. So what LDS person or polygamous person ever did miracles, even one, even one. to equal or greater than what Jesus has done? Just in this list alone. There isn't a man alive who can perform these miracles today who ever did perform them except Jesus. They need to understand that not only are they taking this verse out of context, but they fundamentally misunderstand what it means. The biblical definition of the word greater is imperative to correctly understand Jesus' statement. You know, you'll find this interesting. This is from John Gill's exposition of the Old and New Testaments, not greater in nature and kind, but more in number. For the apostles in a long series of time and course of years went about preaching the gospel, not in Judea only, but in all the world. The conversion of a sinner, which is a miracle in grace, is not only an instance of the power of God and of the greatness of it, but of the exceeding greatness of it. It's good. Not Sorry. only how great it is, but how exceeding great how it exceeding is. How exceeding greatness it is. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's sometimes hard to get it all in there. But the, so the words greater, Yeah. and I've done my own word studies on this, by the way. The word greater is, is, is spending, uh, is spreading God's gospel of salvation by grace, right. um, through faith, not by works, to the whole world. Jesus only walked through the town, the cities and towns of Israel. But believers, since Jesus has gone to the whole world, resulting in the conversion of people to Jesus by millions of sinners throughout the ages. The word greater here is referred to quantity, not superiority. No one will ever do superior works than Jesus did, nor will ever equal the work he did for us by bringing to humanity the free gift of eternal life. Will everyone receive this free gift that he brings? No, most of them will reject it. Many will say, no, thank you. Others will say, I don't need it. Some will say, no, I'll earn it myself. But you can't earn it. It's either a gift or it's rejected. There's no other way. And that message, when received by sinners, is the greatest gift of all. The next Bible passage that Mormonism uses in error comes from Isaiah and Micah regarding the mountains of the Lord. Yeah, the funny thing about this one is that the Latter-day Saint uses verse 2, but they never read verse 1. Verse 1 says, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, said concerning, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Yeah. Not Salt Lake City. Not Mormonism or or polygamous, yeah. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. 
For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we've got a geographical location pointed out in this passage. Yeah, that's what it says. Nobody ever reads verse 1. They just (laughs) read verse 2. And that's true. Again, that's the context. You know, it's the same with the stick of Joseph. If you read a little further, it explains what the stick of Joseph is. And it's not Mormonism. No. Now, you'll also find this passage very, very similar to this, almost word for word in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The Mormons came to Utah, and they brought polygamy with them and claim that the mountains of Utah, then setting up their polygamous kingdom here, is a fulfillment of those scriptures. We quote from conference reports, October 1929. Wow. One last thing before I jump into that new mm-hmm. scripture I didn't realize there were mountains in Jerusalem or Israel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when it said, I just figured it was flat land. So when I was read in the, the mountains and established in the highest of the mountains, I never gave mountains any credit in. Or so you, you always just thought it was visualized the mountains of Utah yeah, then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. You know, was, I just figured Jerusalem was flat and had the seas, the Dead Sea and all that. I didn't know they had mountains. You didn't know about Mount Hermon <laughs> and the Mount of Olives and well, <laughs> all I had of little those. hills, I guess, but I didn't ever <laughs> think they had mountains. Anyway, this is from Anton, Ant, Anthony Ivans, a conference report back, as Doris said, October 1929. Now, do not understand me to say or to infer that Jackson County, Missouri will not eventually be the gathering place of the saints, but it is a very definitely cert- it is very definitely certain that it was not the will of the Lord that it should be made the first great gathering place of the members of his church in this dispensation. Otherwise, he would not have brought the people to these valleys of the mountains. Otherwise, the words of the prophets of old would not have been fulfilled. <laughs> Isaiah's words. And so, they're, yeah, they're applying his words to the Mormons, and it doesn't yeah. belong to them. And then Bruce R. McConkie said, Zion, the new Jerusalem on American soil, the American Zion shall be the capital city. It shall be the city of the great king. His throne shall be there, and from there he shall reign gloriously over all the earth. And so, let us now drink deeply from some of those passages in Holy Writ, which tell of our American Zion. Hello. Yes, hello. (laughs) There's no American Zion. And Jeremiah said, Israel is Zion. And he also said, it shall not be moved. Yeah, from Psalms 125, 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, I guess I never read that one. (laughs) As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Okay, so now we have a time frame. We have a geographical reference. We know the city and the mountains. We know it all is around Jerusalem, that that's where Zion is, and that's where God put it, and it will not, shall not, not cannot be moved. And no context. Right, and no, right. <laughs> so the mountains of Utah is not Zion, and there is no American Zion, and since God doesn't lie, and since he is God Almighty, he can and will do just exactly what he said he will do, and Mormonism can never change that or make it different. 
This is tough to read sometimes, all this <laughs> ignorance floating around. Oh, so, so they've taken everything from, uh, that yeah. they use from the Bible and apply it to themselves and just take Jesus out of it and take yeah. his glory out of it. And take, and like you said, they don't trust the Bible. So, yeah. yeah, but they use it. Yeah. I it, mean, how many of these? Yeah, when, when it, it fits. When it fits. Thank you very much, Earl. Yeah. appreciate this. You know, God was serious when he commanded his ancient people not to add to or take away from what he himself has said. And, and, and only God has the right to add to his own word. When Jesus came, he was given the title, the word of God. He was the living, speaking, teaching, revealing word of God. And Jesus is God, the son. We cannot add to Jesus. We can't take from him. He remains the same throughout all human generations. Joseph Smith came along and tried to change what Jesus said, what he did and who he is. Even though many people believe what Mormonism teaches about Jesus, their belief doesn't make it true. God's salvation is not through the self-righteous works of polygamists or Mormons. It is through Jesus only. We must do it His way because there's no other way. His way is grace through faith, not by works and not by polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.